Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Folks, we're teetering on what could be an economic meltdown, threatening to wash away our savings and retirement. Inflation has surged to levels unseen in 40 years. Gold is the smartest and most responsible investment you can make for you and your family in times like these. A safe haven asset that protects your purchasing power and your wallet from inflation. When it comes to protecting your IRA or 401k, trust only the best. My friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold has earned the highest trust ratings in the precious metals industry and builds relationships based on integrity, expertise, and impeccable service. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwithlou.com today or give them a call at 844-6484-LOU. Don't wait. Take control of your retirement today. Call 844-6484. 84-L-O-U and speak with one of their experts. Time is of the essence. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwithlou.com or call 844-648-4LOU. Hello everybody, I'm Lou Dobbs and welcome to The Great America Show. Great to have you with us. The House Oversight Committee held their first impeachment inquiry hearing yesterday. Chairman James Comer laying out just how Joe Biden as vice president abused his public office for financial gain and has lied about it for years. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. For years, President Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. At least 10 times, Joe Biden lied to the American people that he never spoke to his family about their business dealings. He lied by telling the American people that there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his personal life. Let's be clear, there was no wall. The door was wide open to those who purchased what a business associate described as the Biden brand. Evidence reveals that then-Vice President Joe Biden spoke, dined, and developed relationships with his family's foreign business targets. These business targets include foreign oligarchs who sent millions of dollars to his family. It also includes a Chinese national who wired a quarter of a million dollars to his son. Joe Biden also lied to the American people about his family making money in China. He continued to lie about it even when the House Oversight Committee uncovered bank wires revealing how the Bidens received millions from Chinese companies with significant ties to Chinese intelligence and the Chinese Communist Party. Just this week, we uncovered two additional wires sent to Hunter Biden that originated in Beijing from Chinese nationals. This happened when Joe Biden was running for president of the United States, and Joe Biden's home 
is listed as the beneficiary address. To date, the House Oversight Committee has uncovered how the Bidens and their associates created over 20 shell companies, most of which were created when Joe Biden was vice president, and raked in over $20 million between 2014 and 2019. We've also identified nine Biden family members who have participated in or benefited from these shady business schemes. Now, what were the Bidens selling to make all this money? Joe Biden himself. Joe Biden is the brand. And Joe Biden showed up at least two dozen times with business targets and associates sending signals of access, influence, and power to those prepared to pay for it. The American people demand accountability for this culture of corruption. They demand to know how these schemes have compromised President Biden and threatened our national security. They demand safeguards to be put in place to prevent public officials from selling access to their public office for private gain. You heard it from the source right there. The man leading the investigation into the Biden crime family, Joe Biden has sold out his country to some of our biggest enemies time after time. The three witnesses testifying at that hearing, all confirming that we have passed the threshold for this inquiry to have been opened, while the committee continued to lay out mountains of evidence showing the Biden family used the Biden name to peddle influence. This is only the beginning for the Biden crime family and this investigation. President Trump had a rally for union auto workers this week in Macomb County, Michigan. President Trump went there after Biden's fraudulent claim of being the blue-collar president. Trump said the only time Biden has gotten his hands dirty is when he's taking cash from foreign countries and says all Biden cares about is enriching his own family. The only time Joe Biden has ever gotten his hands dirty is when he's taking cash from foreign countries, which is quite often, actually. It's quite often. Based on what we're seeing, it's much more often than anyone would have thought. But can you imagine an unannounced raid on his many homes? He would have made Senator Menendez look like a baby, just like a baby. Can you imagine? You know, they gave him three weeks notice. You know, they said, we're going to raid your home over documents. They gave him three weeks. Would three weeks be enough? So I can imagine. I'd like to see what he cleaned out of there. Joe Biden only cares about enriching his own family. I care about enriching your family. That's why I did this. That's why I did it. President Trump's got it right once again. And in other congressional news, the government is set to shut down at midnight tomorrow night unless Speaker McCarthy can unite the rhinos of his conference with members of the Freedom Caucus and other conservatives. The only other option McCarthy really has to fund the government is to cross the aisle and work with the Marxist Dems on a continuing resolution. If McCarthy were to do that, it would almost certainly mean the end of his speakership. Unless, of course, he could work out such a sweetheart deal for the Marxist Dems that they would vote to keep him as their speaker should that motion to vacate come to pass. It's unlikely, though, the Marxist Dems could stomach such a pretend Marxist Dem like McCarthy for long. Congressman Matt Gates saying this week that if McCarthy were to do that, he could no longer be speaker, and it seems Gates means to bring a vote to the floor to elect a new speaker. Let's bring in our guest today to take up all of this and much more. Joining us is John Solomon, editor-in-chief of Just the News. And John, great to have you back with us. So much going on in Washington, the investigations, the committee investigations of Biden going forward. 
But I want to start with something Just the News is breaking. A FOIA request of the FBI asking for documents related to the investigation by, first of all, a couple of local and state agencies in Michigan about what is a nationwide voter registration fraud. Give us the latest on what you've uncovered. Yeah, another sign that the 2020 election was not nearly as perfect as uh, some of the Democrats and their friends in the mainstream media have tried to bring it uh, out to be. Um, We now know from documents we want under an open records request from the Michigan State Police, from the Muskegon Police Department, and from the Michigan Attorney General's Office. Very important to note, the Michigan Attorney General's Office is run by a Democrat, Dana Nessel. All three of them, Muskegon Police, Michigan State Police, Dana Nessel, say they uncovered what appeared to be a fraudulent voter registration scheme. People were getting registrations put in, fake names were, were showing up. Uh, there was about eight to 10,000 voter registrations that were suspect just in Muskegon alone. Now think about that when you multiply that across the country. Why is that important? If someone is fraudulently registered, they could potentially file a fraudulent vote without being detected because their name shows up in the database. Um, well, we know from all of those earlier open records requests that we fought for that uh, this had been uh, corroborated, that there were workers at, uh, at inside the, uh, the Democrat-leaning firm, uh, GBI Strategies, that was um, uh. running this operation who were saying, hey, there are problems here. They referred it to the FBI back in 2020. It is now 2023, three years later. <laughs> no evidence that the FBI did anything. Maybe they're still working on Russia collusion. Didn't get around to this. But whatever the case is, we thought, hey, after three years, the FBI could have, should have done something with the quality of the evidence that was there. So we filed an open records request to the FBI, and they came back and said, ah, we're not going to give you anything because we consider this to be an active investigation. Now, of course, that seems implausible three years later. They, and by the way, we've not found any evidence of activity in over a year. The last communications with the Michigan authorities on this case was back over a year ago in 2022, but they're saying we're not going to refile it. Uh, we're not going to give you anything. It's a sensitive information. Uh, there's no chance we'll be able to give you anything before the 2024 election. We are probably going to sue in the next couple of weeks to keep this going. We want to get this information for the American people so they can see the body of evidence and also the conduct of the investigation by after it went to the FBI. In Michigan, it got taken care of seriously. Michigan also flagged that this appeared to be going on well outside of Michigan in many other states. That was uh, one of the things that we uh, we saw in the documents. Uh, that's why the FBI got involved. But here, no evil, see no evil. There doesn't appear to have been any action at, at the uh, FBI since them, or certainly in recent times. So we're going to sue and try to get this information for the American public. Well, great, and that's great news. And I want to just, before we get to actually what is going on here or what we suspect is going on uh, with particularly this GBI uh, entity, uh, the cooperation with the uh, Muskegon Police Department, with the Michigan State Police, uh, how cooperative have they been? Outstanding. They've complied with every open records request. They've answered questions. We've got on the record comment, even from Dana Nessel, a Democrat who sometimes has been a little prickly with the media. They all have the same story. There's something bad went on here. We referred it to the FBI and we have no idea what happened to it. It went into a black hole and we don't know. And when you look at the documents, you can see that the Michigan State Police the Muskegon police and the attorney general's office saw evidence that this sort of activity was going on in other states. There was mentions of um, uh, Atlanta. There was mentions of New York. Uh, there was mentions of some other 
uh, places where there, there are operations or references to similar type of voter registration drives going on. Uh, and the last time that we see any real activity is in September of 2022 when the uh, state police put one last report saying, hey, we, we're maintaining evidence for FBI in case they ever do something. That's it. And so I think a lot of people now uh, are of belief in Michigan that this went to die at the FBI and never, never uh, uh, got revived. And so we're going to find out. The FBI says it, it, it treats everybody equally. Well, this was a Democratic voter registration drive. Let's see if they treat it. This case, like they treated, well, Russia collusion or Donald Trump or uh, was, did they go that route or did it go the route of Hunter Biden, where you see all the dancing and uh, excuse making not to do basic investigative steps like execute search warrants, something we now know went on in the Hunter Biden case. As I understand it, John, the Michigan State Police uh, and the Muskegon Police Department handed over a case to the FBI for their for their investigation and disposition. Yep. And now we're talking about three years, uh, almost three years later. Yep. And uh, we again see the FBI and the Department of Justice as the place where truth goes to die. <laughs> and and you, yeah, we've heard that a lot, like, haven't we? Yeah. Absolutely. And they don't seem to be too embarrassed. They don't seem to be in any way unnerved by the outrage of the Republican Party and Congress or the Senate or in any part of this uh, country. Uh, they... Uh, they continue to act uh, as if they are a power unto themselves and without congressional oversight, they are not wrong, are they? Listen, I think there is a growing number, including some now even in Democratic circles. I've talked to a lot of people. They're not going to say it publicly because the party line is, oh, the FBI is fine and this is just a Republican conspiracy theory. But I will tell you, I've sat with a lot of Democrats in the last six months who say, you know, we're a little uneasy. This doesn't look like the FBI of old. It doesn't look like um, uh, there is a fairness in the system right now. And hey, right now it's working to our advantage, but it could boomerang on us at any second. We don't want that. So I think there are some wiser minds. And I think the 2024 election, uh, if American voters give a resounding message to uh, the elitists in the media, the elitists in politics, and they put new leadership in Washington, they put new leadership in the Congress, um, there's an opportunity for Democrats to join Republicans and say, let's fix the FBI. And this isn't uh, a first time rodeo. We, we know this happened in the 70s when after the end of the J. Edgar Hoover era and all of the abuses at that time, the FBI uh, was, uh, according to liberals, uh, weaponized against liberals, people like Martin Luther King and, and, and um, uh, anti-war protesters from the Vietnam War. And liberals were the driving force, but Republicans joined in. And they created the reforms that are known as the church committee reforms. And the FBI became a more modern law enforcement agency that operated pretty well for a few decades. Uh, now it's the other way around. It's conservatives having concerns. The concerns are very similar, by the way. The FBI is violating civil rights. It's targeting one side. It's involved in censorship. Uh, uh, and uh, the moment will be if there is a resounding election like there is uh, potentially ahead in 2024, there was a resounding election post Watergate in 76 uh, that led to the church committee um, reforms. Maybe 2024 will uh, result in some significant reforms of the FBI. It's in need of it. The American public no longer trusts the FBI. And whether it's warranted or not, that lack of trust is a major problem for the agency. Line agents tell me that. Retirees of the FBI tell me that the FBI is an agency in grave distress right now.
Yeah. And uh, so is this nation in large measure because of the corruption of the FBI, the politicization uh, and and of course, the weaponization of the Department of Justice itself. Yep. Uh, it, it is a sad time for America, but it is a time for every American to stand up uh, and uh, fight against what we now see our government uh, to be. I want to I want to go into GBI and how far you think that investigation should go and whether we've got any indication that that firm, uh, with all of the allegations against it, is actually the target of any investigation by any federal agency, despite what we now know uh, as a result of what the Muskegon Police Department and Michigan State Police discovered. We're talking with John Solomon, the head of Just the News. He is the founder and editor-in-chief. We continue in just one moment. We'll be right back. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Back talking with uh, John Solomon, and he is the the leader at Just the News, and they are doing a, as usual their terrific work to keep the American people informed. Uh, John, let's turn to GBI strategies. Sure, the firm under considerable scrutiny. Give us uh, your sense, uh, your understanding of how far flung this is as a result of any activities they undertook. Well, the big question is, did the FBI actually open an investigation after they were contacted? And we have a little hint of that. The Muskegon uh, police wrote a supplemental report dated May 28th, 2021. So well over two years ago. And it reads, case will remain open as FBI has opened an investigation on the nationwide organization. So that suggests that there were national allegations and the FBI opened its own probe. Now, that's more than two years ago, two years and four months, almost two years, five months. The big question is, what have they done? Why haven't there been action? Why isn't there resolution? Why does the FBI tell us now just the news? It's still open two and a half years later when most cases like this wouldn't take. This isn't a rocket science case, right? Either there are people that were collecting fraudulent uh, ballot applications or there weren't. And uh, in this case, uh, the Michigan police certainly felt that there were. Uh, even Dana Nessel felt that the evidence was pretty strong. Uh, again, uh, the, we know there is an open inquiry, at least according to the documented records of the police department. Uh, the Getting the FBI to answer any questions has not been easy. They keep declining to answer mm -hmm. questions from us. And of course, they turned down our uh, Freedom of Information Act request. That's why we'll probably end up suing in the next few weeks after we exhaust all of our administrative appeal avenues. And that 
Without question, I was going to say it's an intimation. It's more than that. That statement about uh, nationwide uh, coming from the original uh, agency, that is the Muskegon Police Department, yes. uh, as you point out, uh, over two years ago, almost two and a half years ago, for nothing to have happened is deeply suspicious. And yet there is there is also a, a great number uh, of questions about the Michigan election itself. We were talking about Dana Nessel, the attorney general. Sure. Uh, she, uh, if memory serves, that was a tight and hard-fought uh, battle as well. Uh, there were questions about uh, all sorts of uh, elements, whether it's Wayne County and its voting machines, whether it is, uh, you know, other jurisdictions in Michigan where they're, they're voter fraud allegations. And yet, it's there's nothing there is no conclusion there is no alter alteration uh in the results as a result of what appears to be legitimately uh, i guess you can have legitimate illegitimacy uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well listen i i think it's important to step back at this moment the michigan one is the latest in a long line of examples of things that we have found that were either illegal, improper, or irregular in the 2020 election. Let's remind everybody what we were told in November, December of 2020. This was a perfect election. There was no foreign hacking. The head of CISEN, the uh, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, the Homeland Security Agency, told us there were no foreign intrusions into the election. At the time they made that statement, we know that wasn't true. And we know the Homeland Security Department knew it wasn't true. It had been briefed. But a whole year later, November 2021, long after the debate uh, and the election was resolved and Joe Biden was installed into the White House, the Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department said, oh, we arrested two Iranians or we charged two Iranian nationals for hacking into a voter database, stealing the identities of 100,000 Americans and then using those identities to interfere in the 2020 election. So what SISA told us in 2020 on 60 Minutes and elsewhere, not true. It was disproven not only by the indictment, but by the fact that we knew about it for so long. Go to Wisconsin. We now have two Supreme Court rulings by the state Supreme Court saying that the tactics that Democrats pushed through through the Wisconsin Election Commission for 2020 were illegal. They were unlawful. They were not authorized by law. They were not authorized by the Wisconsin legislature. What were they? Well, hundreds of thousands of voters were allowed to exempt themselves from having to use voter ID while um, uh, voting uh, from their homes, claiming that they were somehow disabled and couldn't go to the polls in every election since. And under the law, uh, before and after, it was required that you show voter ID even when you were voting and what they call voting invalid or voting from home. Uh, that was exempted in 2020. It resulted in a massive growth in people voting remotely because of COVID and the law, the law wasn't filed. What also was declared unlawful in Wisconsin? Well, we were told uh, that drop boxes were allowed in um, Wisconsin. It turns out that was an unlawful order given by Wisconsin election regulators. That too overruled, but way after the election, right? Months and years after the election, we learned about foreign interference. We learned about illegal instructions, illegal things. Now we learned that there was a ballot harvest or ballot uh, application uh, operation that appeared to raise concerns about fraud and, and fraudulent uh, applications nationwide. It shouldn't take us three years or four years to find out the truth of what happened in our election. And it's a reminder, particularly to Republicans who are asleep at the switch in 2020, that they need to challenge things 
in real time. Not wait to after the election and the votes are cast to challenge orders that appear to be unlawful, tactics that appear to be unlawful, voter registration efforts that appear suspicious. You have to see something, say something and act on something before the election because the courts have made it pretty clear they don't want to interfere after the election to right these wrongs. So will the Republican Party, will Ronna McDaniel's Republican Party, who didn't do a very good job in 2020, will they be on the ball for 2024? We'll find out. But the story that it was a perfect election in 2020, we can disprove that with, I think I had 27 examples of real interferences and illegalities and irregularities in uh, the election from Michigan to Georgia, nationwide, uh, in the case of the Iranians, um, and of course, Wisconsin, and the, and the examples we just used. So the perfect election story, it's gone like Russia collusion. And I, I want to remind everybody, uh, and I apologize if there's no requirement here to be reminded. Uh, but let me just say, it's important for all of us to remember what the margin of victory was in 2020. When everyone uh, in the Marxist dim uh, atmosphere demands that you say immediately, well, it wasn't a rigged election, that it wasn't uh, uh, corrupt, uh, a corrupt electoral system. It's it's just specious nonsense, and it's attempting to obfuscate what was a dirty election, a rigged election, in my opinion, John. I want to hear your view. Uh, but we're talking about a margin of fewer than 30,000 votes in the aggregate yeah. in these uh, battleground states that could have turned the tide and would have turned the tide for President Trump, and he would be president of the United States as we speak. Uh, if indeed uh, that margin uh, had been uh, corrected uh, because of what we found out subsequently. I mean, it's that straightforward, isn't it, John? Well, listen, there, there is no doubt that uh, there were problems in the 2020 election. Are they dispositive? No one's ever been able to do an exhaustive uh, review because, well, uh, the media and the elitists that control government, both in the states and in the uh, nation didn't allow a thorough thing. Think about what's going on right now with Carrie Lake. We are, what, nine months after the 2022 election, and she's just now being able to litigate whether signature verification in Arizona was unlawful or improper. Uh, it, this is not a great way for a constitutional republic to address election issues. You can't be fighting after them eight, nine, ten months later. You should have them fixed before an election. And I think Republicans too often were unwilling to challenge things the way like Mark Elias and the Democrats do. Uh, they haven't matched the Democrats blow for blow in this battle to control election rolls and to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And as a result, they've lost two straight elections. I think there's another dynamic, and I do see some signs that it's changing, maybe not as fast as it needs to. We are entering into an era, whether we like it or not, where there is a new type of voter who will never get off their duff and show up at the polls on election day. They're too busy. They're too busy playing games. Maybe they have three jobs and taking the kids, but they want to vote or they are interested in politics. They just aren't willing to make the effort that it takes to go stand in line on election day one day and vote or to go vote early through the mechanisms of showing up in person. And so Democrats figured this out. They saw a new generation of voters, millennials and Gen Zs, and they decided we are going to make it really easy for them to vote. We are going to solicit them nonstop to vote early through absenteeism. They changed the laws and rules and regulations in many places to accelerate this in 2020 with COVID gave them the ultimate steroid injections. Yeah. And they now win 
the uh, early vote race by a margin, often in these states of 100, 200, 300,000 voters. It's very hard for Republicans to show up on election day and make up a gap of 250 or 300,000 voters uh, that have been casting ballots for Democrats for two, three, four, five weeks in advance. And um, this mm-hmm. is something that re- uh, Republicans stuck their head in the sand. They want to go back to the way it was in 1996 or 2000, or quite frankly, even 2016. Well, the laws and rules have changed. The Republicans haven't done anything or hasn't, haven't succeeded in changing them back. So you only have two options. You can unilaterally disarm and let the Democrats keep running these early voting things unanswered. Or you can step up to the plate, match them uh, a ballot per ballot in the early one. And then, of course, we uh, conservatives win on Election Day because of the fact that so many Republicans have that desire to show up on Election Day and exercise that right that their founding fathers gave them. So this year is the year where uh, Republicans have a chance to change the tide. And I'll give you a couple of hopeful examples. A lot of people have looked at Wisconsin and said, we're a little confused. There were two guys at the top of the ticket, almost identical in policy and style. Uh, one was named Ron Johnson, senator from Wisconsin. The other was named Tim Michaels. He was a businessman running for governor. They're both endorsed by Donald Trump. They had almost identical policies and approaches to solving America's problems, Wisconsin's problems. Uh, and they both uh, were targeted with tens of millions of dollars of anti-abortion advertising, something that Ronna McDaniel likes to blame everything on when when Republicans don't win. But there's a weird thing that happened, though they were on the same ticket. uh, um, Ron Johnson got tens of thousands of more votes than Tim Michael did. And Ron Johnson won narrowly and Tim Michaels lost narrowly. What's the difference? How could that happen? How could the top of the ticket split so powerfully and so overtly? The answer is Ron Johnson put a few hundred thousand dollars of early voting into his effort. He erased that pre-election day advantage that Democrats had, and he won the election day vote, and he won. Tim Michaels didn't really run an early voting campaign, and he loses. You see almost identical circumstances. How did we end up with four seats pickup? in New York in 2022. And though those four seats are the margin that Kevin McCarthy uh, took over the House with, well, a guy named Lee Zeldin ran for governor, ran a very good governor's race in a super blue state, nearly won, uh, surprising the establishment. Well, what, how did he do that? He did a lot of early voting. And that early voting not only brought him closer in the polls, it tipped over a lot of uh, Republican races in places like Staten Island and northern New York that tend to run a little more red. And the early voting erased all of the advantages Democrats had and re- Republicans won some key seats. 2024, Republicans will either suffer another stinging loss or they will close the early voting gap and then, of course, win the voting gap on Election Day. They do Election Day very well. That will be the test to see how we fare in the 2024 election, because beyond the integrity issues, there are also an advantage that Democrats have given themselves in the early voting. We'll see how that turns out in 2024. But both of those issues, integrity and early voting, have to be addressed if conservatives want to be competitive in 2024. Well, I haven't seen any, and I, I, I'm not in any way arguing with you about it. I think your summation was uh, of what uh, is the extant situation is exactly right. But I haven't seen any evidence that the Republican Party is organizing around early voting, yeah. uh, that it is organizing around a ground operation and uh, get out the vote. Yeah. I don't see any indication whatsoever of any kind of animation strategically in the Republican Party. And I think that the dead minds of the leadership of the RNC will not be bringing forward such a, a, a thing. 
I also think that we have to put an asterisk by it all, a very big asterisk. And that is many of the changes that are being made in various uh, states are illegal. Uh, and just yeah. as the changes that were made in 2020 were That's illegal right. and the Republican Party still has not demanded changes and taken that through the court system. Perhaps that would be because it would be futile, uh, given the corrupt uh, nature of uh, many of those courts in various blue states in particular. Uh, we're talking with John Solomon. We're going to be talking about uh, the impeachment inquiry and we're going to be talking about new information damning uh, in the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, we still don't know what it is, but John Solomon may have an inkling. We'll be right back with that. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back now with uh, John Solomon's Just the News, or is it Just the News, John Solomon? Well, it's in point of fact, both. And uh, John, great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. As we continue talking about the voting uh, reforms that are desperately needed to have any kind of integrity in our electoral system, uh, a couple of ideas uh, that uh, I think are important to consider. One is a national day of voting, uh, a national holiday uh, whatever day, whenever it falls, it's going to be Tuesday. It's going to be November. Uh, and that is something that's uh, that will, you know, the idea that uh, people can vote from home and automatic voter registration. Yeah. All of that is just such an invitation to cheating that there should be a passionate rejection of it and fight against it by the Republican Party, by independents, by every American. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts? Well, listen, uh, it wasn't you and I that first said that. It was Jimmy Carter and James Baker back in 2005 and six, which saw that the country was maybe entering a period where the temptation to vote early uh, was going to happen, that mail would sub, uh, supplant a day of voting. And they warned specifically of the very things that you just said. In fact, it, literally, you said it almost verbatim of what Jimmy Carter, very liberal president, and James Baker, very conservative chief of staff to uh, Ronald Reagan, said uh, in a prior um, a warning in 2005 and six. And Republicans in many of these states sat on their hands and did nothing. And the Democrats did. Now, listen, I, you have to credit the Democrats. They didn't sit on their laurels. They realized that they were getting beat the day of vote because Americans liked the choices they were getting, Donald Trump in 16 and, and you know, Bush in the 2000s. And so they tried to tip the rules in their favor, and the Republicans didn't fight those rule changes aggressively enough, and they didn't match the rule changes with a tactical 
onslaught like the Democrats did. And then they woke up on Election Day, 250,000 votes behind in every state. And it's just hard to make it up in 13 hours, particularly if you have some bad weather or a car accident in a major borough or uh, as it happened in uh, Maricopa County in Arizona, uh, there is a printer jam, uh, whether contrived or accidental. There's no doubt it had an impact on the election, right? No doubt. You don't want to have all your cards in one place. So if the Democrats have already changed the rules, you're not going to get it back. You can, you know, not Ronald Reagan used to say this to people. I'm a principled guy. I stick to my principles, but I'll never unilaterally disarm. The Republicans have essentially unilaterally disarmed. They didn't fight yeah. the lawfare fight. And then they didn't do the early voting. And then they wonder why they lost on Election Day. It's not rocket science, uh, though it sometimes seems that way to Ronald McDaniel and the RNC. You know, you and I are going to have to take part of a of a episode one of these days and talk about how the Republican leadership got this dumb uh, and how they continue uh, to serve uh, interests that are completely divorced from either the people who uh, they pretend to represent or the interests of the nation, because it is uh, the Republican Party leadership are, are fouled uh, and they are. Uh, absolutely cretins when it comes to fulfilling their responsibility. We're living through that example right now, and you have been more articulate than anyone I know on this issue, but the Republicans took control of the promise. We're going to change the way that budgeting occurs in Washington. We are going to go back to normal order, whatever that, that is. We're going to pass 12 appropriations bills like you're supposed to, and we're going to do the budget in an orderly thing and no more of those continuing resolution chaoses at the end of the budget year. Where are we? We're three, four days from the end of the budget year. They've only passed one out of the 12 appropriations bills. Um, they tried to rush a couple more through a rules last night, but they're not going to get the 12 done. They were elected on a very clear promise. We're going to restore order to budget, and they didn't deliver it. It doesn't get any simpler in a failure of leadership than that. And, uh, you know, they'll go through this dysfunction. We might have a shutdown. Maybe we'll have a last-minute save. But whatever the outcome of the next four days are, the Republican Party ran on a, on a platform. It could not deliver. And I was thinking all through the summer, you know, boy, be a good time to get started on those appropriations bills. Don't they remember? They promised they were going to do the appropriations bills and they don't get it done. Yeah. That is not uh, incompetence or that's not uh, I shouldn't say that's not circumstances beyond your control. It's incompetence. It is a failure of leadership, a failure of imagination, a failure to just simply deliver on the very basic promise you made that got you elected in the first place. If Republicans get thrown out in 2024, Voters will say, hey, you told us you were going to do it different and you didn't. And who's going to argue with that? The facts are on the voter side. I don't know why the entire Republican conference isn't shouting at uh, Kevin McCarthy. Promises made, promises kept. Yeah. You're halfway there. Make sure you fulfill your promise. It's uh, it is basic politics. It's, this isn't rocket, you know, again, not rocket scientists. It just seems to be for Republicans. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I sort of phrase the <laughs> the parameters of our discussion next time on leadership of the Republican Party is Absolutely. the dumb leadership. But uh, let's let's turn real quickly to uh, two quick items here as we conclude. One, uh, the the information that uh, Congressman Jason Smith, the chairman of the House Ways and Means yes. Committee, uh, his committee, uh, he and his committee are meeting over what that uh, that evidence is. He says it is significant uh, in advancing uh, the impeachment inquiry. Your thoughts about what it might be? 
Well, listen, I think it, you see in Chairman Jason Smith, Chairman Jim uh, Jordan and Chairman James Comer, three guys who I think have changed the course of history and done some really good stuff. They've shown leadership. They've shown what oversight is looking at. And I think history will look back at the summer of 2023 and say it's the moment where a couple of whistleblowers taken seriously by Republicans who followed the letter of the law to get uh, tax private information out to the public change the course of history. Hunter Biden was going to get the sweetest of sweetheart deals. He was going to walk away without any present time on uh, on allegations of illegal foreign lobbying, tax evasion on a large scale, millions of dollars of tax evasion uh, and inappropriate or a misconduct with gun ownership and uh, applying for a gun. Ironically, three issues that Dem Democrats often demagogue on, right? They, they are the big fairer people. Oh, we got rid of Paul Manafort. We don't believe in uh, people who abuse gun rights. And we certainly uh, don't like corruption uh, uh, and tax evasion. We want to add 87,000 more agents to stop tax cheats. Well, they only needed one agent to stop uh, Hunter Biden. They didn't do that very well because they're going to give him a great bargain. When the whistleblowers came forward, when Jason Smith uh, followed the proper process for piercing tax privilege, he gave the American public a visibility into the Hunter Biden case that no one could have imagined, and they changed the course of history. The judge almost certainly rejected that plea deal because of what we had learned from the whistleblowers in the um and the uh, Republican Party. So there, there is a good sign of leadership in today and into tomorrow. We'll see the next round of that. There are thousands of new pages of documents that are going to have the pierce of the tax privacy uh, pierced. They're going to uh, put it in the American public and we're going to see the nature of the evidence, the nature of the obstruction by prosecutors, um, the timetable of how early on did the FBI and the IRS have the goods on Hunter Biden and how long they were dragged out and not being able to bring justice and the document vote today and tomorrow? We'll start that process. And then tomorrow, the first impeachment inquiry occurs and there's going to be a fascinating witness. They're going to bring a forensic accountant in. What a great idea, given all of the Democrats spin. They know what Hunter Biden did was very normal. Oh, it's nothing untoward uh, about it all. Joe Biden knew nothing, even though the Chinese checks were showing up at his house. He knew nothing. He was Sergeant Schultz. Don't worry. Tomorrow, the accountant's going to look at this and he's going to say, hey, I do thousands of businesses. I identify risk assessments. Let me tell you what I see right. in the Hunter Biden business world and Joe Biden that you should look at. And I think American public say, well, there's a boring uh, peanut gallery counter, peanut counter. <laughs> kind of just convinced me that something's not right here. I, you're right. I wouldn't run my finances this way. Tomorrow, I think the American public will get schooled on just how uh, smelly the, the Biden finances are and why there needs to be more inquiry in the next couple of months. I have to say, John, I never thought I'd hear you get so excited about a forensic accountant, <laughs> even though it is an yeah. historic impeachment <laughs> process. I, I, I want to ask you a quick question as sure. well on uh, the judge, uh, the New York judge, uh, Trump, who basically is single-handedly putting Donald Trump out of business in New York, uh, taking matters into his own hand, uh, doing so in a case in which there is no victim, there is no allegation uh, um, from any quarter other than Letitia James uh, that uh, um, amounted to charges against him. Uh, th there is a difference of view about what the value of his real estate is. And the fact is, the judge was stupid enough, in my opinion, to put up that 18, he valued Mar-a-Lago at $18 million. I got to tell you the truth. I would uh, I'd have to run down to the bank and say, you know, I need an $18 million loan because I would buy that right now for that price any day. Uh, your thoughts about what I think is an outrage. 
Well, listen, we had Mike Davis on the TV show last night, and I think he just laid out exactly what you did. It, it just doesn't make sense. First off, there isn't even the trial yet, right? The judge is making these determinations before a trial has been conducted. That's unusual. It was supposed to be a bench trial, but to have the major headline out before the evidence was presented, the other side got to make its case. I think another example of justice that seems to have the cart before the horse. That's what Mike Davis said and a lot of other people said. I think the American people have already made a determination on these four cases, the two by Jack Smith, the one, uh, uh, the two, uh, the civil and criminal in New York and then the uh, uh, legal or criminal in Florida. They simply, oh, in Atlanta too, I'm sorry, uh, Fulton County. I think they've just decided, you know what? This is politics masquerading as law. And we're just not going to take it seriously. And we'll show you how unserious we're going to take it when we vote next November. And I, I think if that course holds, if the Democrats don't change the narrative and Americans stick to it, all four of these prosecutions will receive a repudiation from the most important jury that the founding fathers ever imagined, the American electorate. Well, I appreciate it, John, being with us today. And uh, I, I hope you're right. And I got a heck of a track record. So uh, I think I think we all should be optimistic about the outcome. But I think we should be very vigilant and ener energetic, <laughs> energetic yes. about the way we move forward from here. Uh, I know John, John will. And I know that uh, you and I will, folks. So we appreciate you being with us. John Solomon, always a pleasure to have you here on The Great America Show. Thank uh, you. Great honor to be with you. Thank you. Thanks to John Solomon. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Tomorrow, we're joined by our weekly foreign policy panel, Gordon Chang and Tony Schaefer. Please join us for that tomorrow and each and every day. Follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs, on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight, and visit LouDobbs.com. Thanks, everybody. God bless you, and may God bless and save America.